Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, guys, the series that we're going through is Faith in Uncertain Times. And I think all of us recognize that we live in uncertain times. All you have to do is turn on the news. And you recognize that it's not the same world anymore. Like, what did, what did Dorothy say in Wizard of Oz? It's, this is not Kansas anymore, Toto? Well, it's not Kansas anymore. Times are changing. And they're changing rapidly. And it can be overwhelming for you as a believer in Jesus Christ. Because you're being confronted daily with things that you really don't know how to respond to. You don't know what your opinion should be. Or or if you do respond, the culture doesn't necessarily like your response. And so you might be being beat up on or your faith is being challenged. And so you want to know, what can you do during these uncertain times? And so that's what we've been looking at as we've been going through this epistle to First Thessalonians. Because Thessalonians... We're actually new to the faith, and they were undergoing some severe persecution. They were undergoing some difficult times, and Paul's writing them to encourage them. Paul's writing them to to help them to understand that he cares for them, and he has some things in mind for them. So what we're going to talk about today is, is really a key foundation for you. If you're going to survive in this world today, you've got to understand the truth. And this truth is this. You were not created to go it alone. Do you understand what I'm saying? You may want to write that down. You were not created to go it alone. You know, in our individualistic culture, in our society, here in North America especially, we have this concept that if I don't look out for myself, nobody else is going to look out for me. And you hear it all the time. It's all about personal achievement and what you're striving for and what you're getting in this culture. That's our culture. But the problem is, is that you need to understand, for you as a Christian, as a believer in Jesus Christ, you can't go it alone. You were not created to go it alone in this world. You were created to be relational. You need others. And if we're going to be the church that God wants us to be, and I thought about this, you know, I I shared this morning at Sunday school a little bit. What we do here as a church now lays the foundation for the next 75 years. Do you understand what I'm saying? And if we want to be a continuing presence for Christ in this community, in this county, we got to lay a foundation for the type of church that we need to be. And I'm going to explain something to you folks. It can't be a church of individuals. It's got to be a church of a community of believers. Do you understand what I'm saying? Where we care for each other. Do you understand what I'm saying? Where we care for each other. And I think one of the most powerful testimonies I hear from people is, is when they come here, they appreciate the fact that they can walk in and they don't feel judged, they feel accepted, no matter what stratus of life they're from. Because you and I have been in churches where if you didn't fit in, you felt what? Ostracized, judged, nobody cared. That's not a church, folks. A church is a place where you care for each other. Now, how do we care for each other, George? Do we go around giving each other group hugs? But I'm going to be honest with you, that's not going to get you through the times of uncertainty. We're not talking about a place where we feel huggy-huggy. What do we need to do? 
Well, I think as we look at chapter 3, and specifically as we look at the first five verses, we're going to see that Paul has a concern for the Thessalonians. And he's concerned for them in three areas, and he wants to do something in three areas for their life. So what we're going to talk about is caring for each other in three areas. It's going to go beyond just simply, oh, I love you. Oh, I care for you. Aren't you part of the family? Because that's all superficial, right? I mean, we can come and act like, oh, I care for you. Get in the vehicle. I can't believe they did that. Did you see the way she was dressed? He said, that doesn't sound like church. Hey, that's been church, hasn't it? The reality is three areas. So let's look here. We're going to look at these five verses. Chapter 3, 1 Thessalonians. And then I'm going to tell you what the three areas are, and we're going to take a look at what they're saying there. Look at this, verse 1. Therefore, we could no longer endure. We thought it good to be left in Athens alone, and sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith, that no one should be shaken by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we were appointed to this. For in fact, we told you before, when we were with you, that we would suffer tribulation, just as it happened, and you know it. For this reason, when I could no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter had tempted you, and our labor might be in vain. And when I look at these three verses, I'm looking at three areas that he's concerned about in their lives. And these are three areas, look, if we want to talk about caring for each other, if we really want to talk about being the kind of church where we need to be there for each other, we really need to focus on these three areas in our, in our each other's lives. What are they? First of all, he's going to talk about their maturity. You see that in verses 1 to 2. We're going to talk about their suffering. We're going to see that in verse 3 and 4. And then we're going to talk about their temptation in verse 5. Those are three areas. If we really are genuinely concerned for each other, I'm going to be concerned about your maturity. Are you growing in Jesus? I'm going to be concerned about the stuff that you go through. Let's be honest. Do we go through stuff here? How many of you had a perfect year? No problems. You didn't go to the prayer man at all this year for your car. Now, some of you maybe didn't because you didn't have money. But, I mean, you, 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 you had no problems whatsoever, no health issues. The doctor thinks you're, you're the perfect specimen of humanity. No problems? The boss didn't get mad at you at all this year? We all go through stuff, don't we? And we got to know how to be there for each other for that. we got to know how to encourage each other for that. And, hey, let me ask you something. Anybody facing any temptations? I mean, who went Black Friday shopping? Don't raise your hand. I mean, you got tempted, didn't you? I mean, they purposely put stuff. I mean, I've been there. They purposely put stuff out to tempt you, like get stuff that you don't need. But some of you have been facing other kinds of temptations, not just for stuff, but other things that destroy your lives. Those are three areas that we need to be. See, if you want to get beyond just the superficial in church, you really need to get beneath the surface. And I really can't think of three better areas than that. Your maturity, your suffering, and the temptations you face. So let's look at what he says here. Let's look, first of all, verse 1 and 2. Verse 1 is more of an explanation of where he's at, but you see his concern for them in verse 2. He says, verse 1, Therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone, and sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ. Here's what Timothy was sent for. 
to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith. Here's what I want you to see. Two areas that he's looking for to help them in their maturity. Number one, we have to reinforce the foundation of faith in each other. We have to reinforce the foundation of faith in each other. You know, I'm going to be honest with you, folks. I've been pastoring here almost 14 years now. I've been pastoring. been a pastor for 20. And I'm going to be honest with you. I have to admit, a lot of times the focus hasn't always been on maturing people. It's on getting people saved. And then we kind of like, it's like bringing a baby into the world and then saying, okay, fend for yourself. You wouldn't do that with a baby. Somebody's got to change it. Somebody's got to feed it. Somebody's got to raise it. But that's what we do as Christians, don't we, as churches, is we want to get people saved, but we don't tell them what to do to endure in life, right? We don't tell them how to face difficulties, how to survive in uncertain times. Well, Timothy's concerned that they grow, that they are reinforced in their understanding of salvation, that they have their foundation of faith reinforced. That's what we got to do. we got to make sure that people are growing. We've got to help people to move one step beyond. Just don't assume that everybody understands. Just don't assume that everybody's got it together. Just don't assume that everybody's going to be okay. And that's true whether you know Jesus for 20 years or for two months. We've got to reinforce the foundation of faith in each other. That's the bottom line. We've got to seek each other's maturity. Here's the other thing. We have to encourage each other to grow in the faith. We have to encourage each other to grow in the faith. Now, here's, here's what I want you to understand. Write this one down. Nobody has arrived. When it comes to spirituality and faith, nobody has arrived. There isn't a place that you get to and you say, okay, I've made it. I don't need to do anything more in my walk with Jesus. Actually, there is. You know what it is? It's called death. And I don't see too many people wanting to die today. So if you're alive and you're kicking and you're breathing... You should be striving for going deeper in your relationship with Jesus. You should be striving to grow in your faith in Christ, to mature. Because the problem is, is look, you're either going forward or backward. There are no plateaus. There are no resting areas in your life. If you're, if you're older than Christ, you know that. I can think back to times when I just decided to take it easy. Because I thought, okay, I'm growing. I'm maturing. I'm just going to take it easy because it's tough. It's hard work. I'm going to tell you something, folks. There was no resting because I would go backwards. Why do you think they call it backsliding? Did you understand what I'm saying? There's a reason why they call it backsliding. You ever heard that term before? Oh, I've backslidden. I'm, I'm backsliding back into... Why do you think? Because it's an incline. You're moving forward. It's an incline because if you're not moving forward, you're going what? Backwards. So here's the thing. So he's saying two things here. Number one... I need to be encouraging, reinforcing the foundation of faith in your life. We need to be doing that with each other. And we need to be encouraging each other to what? Grow. We need to be challenging each other to grow. To grow in our faith. So let me ask you a question. When you look at yourself right now, little old you, and your relationship with Jesus Christ, and you look at the way you were a year ago, or two years ago, or three years ago, or five years ago, or 20 years ago. Are you still in the same place? Have you grown any? I'm going to tell you something. If you can look at yourself and say, I haven't grown any at all, I've gone backwards, that's not good. And what's not good is, is does anybody care about it? 
The fact of the matter is, is that if we're going to be a church that we need to be, somebody should be caring where you're at in your relationship with Jesus. Do you understand? Because you're not meant to go this alone. We should be caring for each other that we're growing in Christ and that we're moving forward in our relationship with Him. So we're going to be striving in the area of maturity. Here's the other area he talks about. It's the area of suffering. Look with me, verse 3. That no one should be shaken by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we were appointed to this. For in fact, we told you before, when we were with you, that we would suffer tribulation just as it happened, and you know. Three things I want you to see here. I'm not just going to be concerned about the fact of whether or not people are growing and whether or not they're firm in their foundation and their faith, their maturity. I'm going to be concerned about, for others, how are they handling the problems they go through? Because we already said, we're all going through problems, right? I'm going to be concerned about how you're doing, how you're handling it. And so he makes three points here that I think are very key for us to understand here. Number one, we have to make sure that no one is shaken by the suffering in their lives. We have to make sure that no one is shaken by the suffering in their lives. You know, I've told you I've been pastoring a while now. I've been a pastor for 20 years. And I'm going to be honest with you, folks. I can look back on my years in this church and in my church in Canada, and I have I have some heartbreak there. And I'll tell you what the heartbreaks are. The heartbreaks are people who were excited about faith, and then some sort of tragedy happened in their life, and we never saw them again. They turned their back on Jesus. They turned their back on following Christ. Because it got too intense. It got too hard. And they didn't know how to handle it. And the greatest heartbreak for me is is that, you know, as a pastor, there's only so much I can do for people when they go through it. But the problem is is that I looked and I realized that we as a church failed because we weren't there for them during that time. We weren't there to strengthen them during that, not to be shaken in their faith when they go through difficulties. Do you understand? Because it's not our culture. Do you understand what I'm saying? In our culture here, in our area, it's not our culture. We don't want to neb in anybody's business. Do you know what I mean? Because I got my own stuff. Who wants to get involved in their stuff? Or maybe we got the attitude. Well, I had to go through it on my own. They can go through it. But I'm going to tell you, folks, not everybody's where you're at. And everybody needs somebody to help them through the difficulties that they go through. And here's, here's where the Apostle Paul was. He was so concerned for these Thessalonians that even though he was in Athens... He was concerned that with the stuff that they were going through, he was concerned that it wouldn't take them over and that they would walk away from Jesus. So he sent somebody to care for them. He sent Timothy. Have you been concerned for people who go through stuff here? Here's the thing. On a given week in this church, whether you know it or not, whether I know it or not, somebody's going through something. Does everybody understand that? We would agree with that, right? But here's the problem with us. Here's the problem with me. And it's especially true for me as a pastor. Because I'm in charge of the service. So I'm thinking about what's going on in the service. Or I'm thinking about this person or that person. And so I get, I'm get i doing my, quote, job. okay. And so what I can do is, is that I can be so inward focused on what I have to do that I ignore the obvious. And you come in here. And you can be so focused on what the week held for you and what the week's going to hold for you and your stuff that you can ignore the what? The obvious. And right around you are people who need somebody 
to help them through their difficulty because they're being shaken. They're being shaken. And you know what? It's time for us. Can I, can I be honest with you? I'm, I'm at this point. I don't no longer want to hear, oh, you know what? It's so bad. Yeah, yeah, they used to come here, but, you know, something happened, and they're not here anymore. I wonder how they're doing. That's not a good word. What did we do to help them? Yeah, maybe we can't keep them from leaving, but did we try to at least stop it? Did we at least try to be there when they went through it? Isn't that what church should be? We have to make sure that nobody is shaken by the suffering in their lives. And so he's going to make another point here. Understand that suffering is a reality for Christians. The first place is that we've got to develop in our minds a theology of suffering and recognize that, folks, stuff happens and it ain't good. And you need to understand that for a believer, suffering is a reality. So we've got to understand that suffering is a reality for all Christians. So many times when they're ready to give it up, they somehow embrace some weird doctrine somewhere that supposedly when they became a Christian, that everything was supposed to be wonderful and roses and sweet from here on out. Folks, I've been a believer now almost 30 years. I'm going to tell you one thing. When I became a Christian, it got worse. Because I got an enemy in this world. The problems were happening. Here's the third thing he tells us about suffering. Expect suffering to happen in our lives. Don't be caught off guard. Don't act like because you're a believer it shouldn't be happening to you. Don't we say that? Why is this happening to me? Why are you allowing this to happen to me, God? We get angry with why you don't you love me anymore? Man, he told us it was going to happen. Here's what Peter says. Peter says, Don't think it's strange. Don't think it's strange. This is normal. But if we're going to be there as a church, I don't I just don't need to be there for you when to make sure that you mature. I need to be there for you when you're going through it. Because remember now, you weren't created to go it alone, were you? You need others. You need others. We need you. You need us. So we need to be there in the area of suffering. There's one other area. It's the area of temptation. Look with me in verse 5. For this reason, when I could no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means... The tempter had tempted you, and our labor might be in vain. Two things I want you to see here. We have to be concerned about the temptations that others will face. We have to be concerned about the temptations that others will face. That's reality. Again, let me just talk to you. That's so anti-cultural for us because we don't want to nab in other people's business. And yes, we might see that they're struggling in an area and they're giving in to temptation, but we don't want to get involved. That's their business. Folks, you're a believer. And you're a brother and sister in Christ. And you need to be concerned for them. And you need to be concerned about the temptations that they go through. So folks, I do things like this. If I see somebody going through it, if I face their temptation... I'll call them, I'll I'll get together with them, and I'll say, hey, how are you doing? How are you doing? How's the struggle? Are you doing okay? Are you standing strong? If you're not, it's okay, I'll help you. But I need to know where you're at. We can do that. We can do that with each other. But so many times we just kind of ignore it. So many times we just... I don't want to get involved. I don't want to get involved. Folks, we need to start getting involved. If we're going to live for our faith in uncertain times, we need to get involved. Because here's the second point that Paul makes. 
And I think it's so powerful for us. Look at what he says there, verse 5. Lest by some means the tempter have tempted you, and here's the point, and our labor might be in vain. Here's what I want you to see. Everyone loses when someone is shipwrecked by temptation. Everyone loses. It affects everyone. I need to be concerned. I need to be concerned if someone that I love who's a part of the family of God is, is, is finding themselves inundated and overtaken by some sin that it is shipwrecking their faith. I need to be concerned because it's not just their problem. It's not just their little thing that they're going through. And, and maybe, hopefully, they'll leave quietly so we don't have to worry about that. That's the attitude we sometimes have in church, isn't it? But rather, I begin to have the attitude like, if they're not doing good, we're all not doing good. You say, is that biblical, George? Man, all the way from the Old Testament to the New. Because the sin of one affects everyone. All you got to do is remember Achan in the book of Joshua. And that his sin hindered a nation from victory. We're all affected. Man, again, man, may we never hear statements like, oh yeah, they used to be here, but man, it's too bad what happened to them. It's too bad what they went through. Too bad that they couldn't stand strong. Too bad that they gave in. Seriously? What did you do to stop it? What did you do to help them? What did you do to try to reach out to them and redeem them and restore them to the relationship with Jesus Christ? Because the reality is, Paul says here, I sent someone because I was concerned that you would be tempted by the enemy and I was afraid that all that we did for you would be useless because nobody wins. We need to understand that. Nobody wins if we all go wrong. Do you understand? Nobody wins if somebody goes wrong among us and we didn't do something about it. Wow. You're probably saying to yourself, wow, George, those three areas, maturity, suffering, and temptation, I never thought of that before. That really puts a whole different perspective on church, doesn't it? Because it's more than just going to a service. It's more than just some job to do on Sunday morning that I volunteered for. It's more than just the music. It's more than just listening to George speak. It's about being a people who truly what? Care for each other. Because isn't that the areas that we all face? We all need to grow. We all need to mature. We all suffer. And we are all what? Tempted. Here's the first question I want to ask you. Who do you focus on? Natural response is myself and my family. Most of us here can say that. Myself and my family. But my question has to do with more than just focusing on yourself and your family. Are you focused on just your own, or are you focused on beyond that to your church family? That's really what the question's about. Are you concerned? See, that, can I be honest with you, is maturity. You want to know what maturity is? I'm going to be honest with you. For years, I used to think spiritual maturity was how well could you answer a Bible question? How well could you get up and answer a theological question in Sunday school? How well did you know the Bible? I used to think that that was spiritual maturity. And through the years, you've seen people that they could raise a hand and answer a question every time. They could do this or do this. I'm going to tell you something, folks. That is not maturity. That's just knowledge. But do you want to know what spiritual maturity is? How do you know that you're maturing spiritually when you begin to quit thinking about yourself and to begin thinking about other Christians in your church family? That, my friends, is spiritual maturity. 
Because you can know a whole lot and answer a whole lot of Bible questions and still be self-focused and still be immature. The reality is, is how well are you there for others? Are you there for others? So who do you focus on? That's the first question. And again, just think about that. Pray about it. Don't answer it right now. Here's the other one. How do you view your your relationships within the church? What kind of relationships do you have in a church? How do we how do we strengthen one another? I'm going to tell you. Here's the first step. You got to become friends with somebody. Because you can't do this for everybody. Like everybody here. Okay, there's like there's 70 people in here, so I've got to do this for every every person here. All the 70. No, no, there's no way. You, I can't even do that. But what you do is is you begin to interact with people maybe five or six in your life, and you become concerned for the five or six. And those five or six become concerned for another five or six. And we begin to be concerned for each other. Do you understand? And so the way that we begin to be there to strengthen each other is that I interact with a group of, with a group within the bigger group, and I care for them. You start there. So let me ask you, how's your relationships? Or... Are you so self-focused that it's really, you don't really, you don't really interact with anybody? If that's where you're at, you're going to have a difficult time. And it's going to take, can I be honest with you? It's going to take you reaching out. Can I stop for a moment? Because here's the thing. If you're waiting for somebody to show up, those five or six to come to you, it isn't going to happen. You got to take the initiative to reach out. To be there for others. So how, how do you view your relationships within your church? Some of you have to change your perspective on that. So here's what we're going to do. Here's the action point. Ask the Spirit to help you to start caring for others. I'm just going to, you know, just walking out here with this message, you're going to say, okay, I'm going to start caring for others. Come on, that ain't going to happen. That's not natural. But you're going to need to start praying about it. So let me tell you what you do. Here's the first step. And it's not just a pat answer. You do pray for them. You don't pray for everybody in the church. Oh, I pray for that that person on the other side of the road. I don't know who they are, but I pray for them. No, no, no. Give me a break. You pray for the five or six that you interact with. And you pray for them. God, help me to know how to help them to grow. Help me to know how to, to relate to them when they're suffering. How, to help, how can I help them when they're facing temptation? You pray for them first. Because here's what happens. When you pray, the first thing that changes is you. Your heart changes to where you begin to genuinely be concerned about them. And when that concern raises in your heart, you will then go beyond just praying for them. You'll be like, okay, Lord, how can I help them to grow? Lord, what can I do in the midst of their suffering? How can I help them to face the temptation? And you'll do it. But you got to start somewhere first. got to start with God. Help me to start caring for people. And here's the five that I interact with. And, Lord, I pray for so-and-so. We always joke about, we talk about hunting all the time, but I'm really concerned for them. Or, God, you know, we shared cookie recipes the other day, but I'm concerned for them. God, I covet their, their pumpkin pie recipe. And I just don't want to get close to them so I can get it. I want to care for them. 
Ask the Spirit to help you to do that. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.